0: May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just the words we need to hear today. The elephant in the room, I've titled this sermon, and I called it that because it's a subject that we avoid. It's a subject that we preachers avoid. We go straight to the part of this passage where Jesus talks about the children, because that's a lot easier to preach on. Well, it really and truly is an elephant in the room. An elephant in the the room is an obvious problem that sometimes we choose to ignore or not to acknowledge. The elephant this morning that I'm going to talk about is Jesus' statement about divorce. It's a problem for us today because some of us, it offends when we read these words. Some of us, it worries. It's hurtful to many people to hear these words because some of us, myself included, are divorced and the rest of us are affected by divorce in some way. There isn't a person, I guarantee you, I won't even ask you to raise your hand because I don't have to, but everyone who's listening to me right now has been affected by divorce in some way. Either themselves, a member of their family, a friend, someone you care for has gone through the process of a divorce and all the uh, emotional and psychological and so many other difficulties that go with it. So it's something that affects us all. Now, I could have ignored this statement again, like I did last time it came around. We have what's called a lectionary, for those of you who don't know. I don't always follow it, but I usually do. The lectionary gives you suggested passages of Scripture to uh, use as your uh, text for your sermon weekly. Um, oftentimes uh, the the Spirit leads me somewhere else. But I follow the lectionary as much as I can because I think it helps me to get around and not keep preaching about the same subjects over and over again. And so this was the lectionary passage for last week. And when one of my fellow pastors, you might know her, uh, asked me, what I preached on last week and I told her that I talked about communion as I always do on World Communion Sunday. She said, you big chicken. (laughs) And I said, no, I'm going to talk about this text next week. And so we could ignore it, you know, but it's something that Jesus said. And it's not to be ignored. If we're going to ignore that, then let's ignore his words where he says, feed the hungry, clothe the naked shelter, give shelter to the homeless, love God, love other people. You know, it, it, it's, it's all or nothing with what Jesus said, in my opinion. And so the elephant, if we continue to ignore it, will stay in the room and will not go away. So this morning, I am going to tackle the elephant. In the gospel passage, Jesus sounds as if he's very, being very harsh, he condemns divorce. He says it's caused by a hard heart. Now when I first read those words, I think to myself, oh, I'm, a divor- I'm divorced, divorced, so that makes me a person who is unkind or of a hard heart. It's not what he meant. Bear with me. Stay with me. Then he says, and this one really got me, that if you remarry after you divorced, I have. Then it says, you're an adulterer. Ooh, Now what am I going to do with that? Well, Moses allowed for divorce. When he was the leader of the Israelites, as I said to the kids about 14 years earlier, he set up a rule that allowed for divorce sort of make, made Moses seem to be more compassionate than Jesus on this subject. And also more practical. Because we all know that sometimes, despite our very best efforts, things just don't work out. A marriage just isn't working between two particular people. Or worse yet, There's abuse, and that happens often. Things turn toxic. It's bad for everybody involved, everybody who knows the couple, everybody who lives with the couple, and for both of them. And so, in this respect, I think, society in Moses' day was a little bit ahead of its time. They recognized this, and they provided a legal... And a religious remedy for ending a relationship that was broken. Because we're human, folks. And relationships do break sometimes. So why does Jesus, in one swoop here, take it all back? Well, let's take a look at what he says. He says, because your hearts were hard, Moses gave you divorce. And here's what God in Malachi 2.16 says. The man who hates and divorces covers his garment with violence. Now, did you hear what I said? Did you hear all the words? The man who hates and divorces covers his garment with violence. What's being called out here as wrong about divorce is the hardness of heart that happens sometimes and the hatred that happens sometimes. So often rather than just recognizing that something is broken, divorce becomes a battle, and it becomes a very painful battle, again, for everyone involved. We're overwhelmed with the years of resentment, with the years of pain, and it all comes rushing out. Or we're hurt by something that our soon-to-be ex says, or does, and we want to find a way to get even, and we want to hurt them back. Or maybe we knew something was wrong, but we didn't know how to fix it, or we didn't want to. So we walked away, or blew things up intentionally, rather than honestly confront the problems and come to some sort of an agreement. May I suggest that what Jesus may be taking aim at here when he says what he says about divorce. He's taking aim, I think, at divorce as a way to leave a relationship in a harmful way that damages the soul with physical, emotional, or psychological abuse. I think he's taking aim at divorce as a small part of a much bigger problem. That in our discomfort and our pain, we human beings sometimes find it easier to resort to disrespect, to being condescending toward that other person, to being self-centered and even indifferent, than to just open up to each other, to be vulnerable, and to just admit that it's not working. It's actually the problem at the core of the biggest relationship in the Bible. And that is the relationship between God, which was kind of a marriage between God and the nation of Israel. Over and over again, because of fear, or because of the possibility that there might be a better deal somewhere else, Israel forgets God, begins to worship idols, believing that they'll be better off without God. And it's only through God's amazing grace that the covenant doesn't end in, well, end in divorce. And he doesn't say, I'm just leaving you. God's grace is something to work at, to try to be graceful to one another in a marriage. Unfortunately, every one of us who is married Or has been married, knows that we're only human. And sometimes we fall far short of being able to be that graceful and that kind, even though we know we should. And that's where Jesus calls it like he sees it. He ranks divorce as a sin right up there with adultery because it's the ending of a covenant. We made promises. We meant to keep them. We were sincere. Whether you're married once or 17 times, it doesn't matter. Each time you made promises, and you broke them. And it was a sin. But let me back up a second, and let's talk about that word sin, okay? Many of us, when we hear it, sin freak out it means we're a bad person it leaves a bad taste in our mouths maybe because we grew up in a religious tradition where it, sin was used to shame people or maybe because focusing on sin or, uh sin centers our spiritual lives more around fear and guilt than it does around joy and happiness and love but at its simplest form sin hamartia in Bible Greek means this missing the mark it's a word that's taken from archery to acknowledge the fact that something's gone off sooner you didn't hit the target you meant you didn't mean to swear at the mailman when you made your dog bark while you were taking a nap but it happened you, you didn't mean to call somebody a name. But in the heat of the moment, you did. You missed the target. The target was to be kind to other people. You missed it. So you made a mistake. And divorce, even friendly, amicable divorce, happens when the mark has been missed. Something sacred, something we once promised to keep together, is now broken. Our human tendency is to sin, to miss the mark. Not to be terrible people, but just to miss, because we're not perfect. To call out divorce as a separate kind of a sin, something different than lying or stealing or cheating or whatever else you might do wrong, would be wrong. It's another case of missing the target. Missing the mark because we're not perfect. I wonder how we might hear Jesus' words if we listened for something hopeful or something helpful here. If we can't be perfect, if our covenants, our promises sometimes end, how do we respond to Jesus condemning our shortcomings? Have any of you seen the, the TV show called The Good Place?, well, the good place is, uh, the storyline is that after we die, and we watched it for a little bit and then sort of got tired of it. it wasn't, we weren't all that impressed with it. But the storyline is that after we die, only people who led really good super lives and, and were very good to other, other people and did lots of good deeds go to the good place. And everyone else, including all the presidents of the United States, except for Abraham Lincoln, he's the only one that made it, end up in the bad place. A place of torture and a place of lots of screaming. And the main character in this show is a lady named Eleanor. And Eleanor is a very very so-so kind of human being. She wasn't uh, very good to other people, let's put it that way. And somehow, through some bureaucratic mistake, some error in bookkeeping, she was sent to the good place. And so she quickly realizes that she needs to begin to learn to be a good person if she wants to stay in the good place. Otherwise, she's going to get kicked out. We learn as we watch the show that she was raised by selfish parents who taught her that relying on other people and doing things for other people were a waste of time, and that's what weak people did. And that if you take care of you, that's what's important. And her behavior while she was alive on Earth pushed her away from other people. She was very selfish, very rude, very dishonest to everyone that she met. And so after a lifetime of treating other people badly, she has a hard time because she's got to shift gears now. And in the first episode, she lies, she talks about her neighbors, she drinks too much, she steals jum- jumbo uh, cocktail shrimp from a housewarming party that she goes to. But With the help of this ethics professor who has died, she begins to realize that there's a better way, that admitting her shortcomings and her dependence on others helps her to empathize with other people, and eventually she begins to consider other people's feelings and their well-being as important, and even more important than her own. Well, in the second half of today's Gospel reading, Jesus welcomes and he blesses little children, telling the disciples that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. We often talk about how innocent and how pure children are. But as a parent of 12 kids, at different times in my life, I've observed kids playing together a lot, spending time together, living together, i got about 40-some years' experience watching this, and I can confirm without a question in my mind that little kids start out a lot like Eleanor. They want and they will grab whatever toy is most interesting, especially if somebody else has it. They don't want to share. They want to do things their way, and they will throw fits to get their way. They leave messes everywhere. As they grow up, they keep doing that with no thought of who's going to clean up the mess. Just not going to be them. And depending on the kid, they might see it as not such a big deal to lie to get themselves out of trouble. Kids have to be taught to hate and exclude. That's true. It's very true. They have to see it. They have to see adults doing it before they'll, they will hate others or exclude and leave others out. But it's also true that they have to be taught to be generous. They have to be taught to share. We still work on that some days. They have to be taught to have self-control, to compromise, to be honest, to tell the truth, to take responsibility for their own actions, and to put someone else's needs or wants ahead of their own. They have to learn all those things. It isn't born in them. And so welcoming a little child in Jesus' time was really a big deal. It meant that he was saying, these are the least important people to you. These are the people with the least power in our society, in our day. Jesus was saying this to them. And I want them to be right in the middle of the discussion. Bring them up here. Let them talk to me. Today, we get another point of view on why Jesus holds up children as a way into the kingdom of heaven. Because like Eleanor, they are smack in the middle of learning how to be good people. And they have no illusions that they aren't capable of changing just because they've always been that way. They're kids. And we're molding them and helping them to do the right things. Children are open to growth. They're open to new perspectives. And they sometimes change our way of looking at things. There have been times when one of my kids has said to me, why do we do that? And I've scratched my head and said, I have no idea. That's just the way we've always done it. Right? They're not afraid to be vulnerable. They're not afraid to share their innermost thoughts and feelings. Even in front of other people can be embarrassing at times, but it's a beautiful trait. It really is. All these things that we as adults have forgotten how to do a long time ago, kids are perfectly capable of it, and they do it. Now, in a divorce situation, children are all too often a pivot point. They are, I guess they can bring out our worst as we battle for control through custody rights or visitation. Or they can bring out our best selves. We can soften our hearts. We can work on a respectful working relationship so that our children don't see that bad side of us and that bad part of the relationship for their sake. I don't think Jesus had or has today any illusions about how we are inclined to miss the mark, to fall, to fail, to hurt one another. It happens because we're human. But I think Jesus also knows that we are able to become better people than we were, to face our brokenness, even our broken promises, with that vulnerability and that open heart of a child, to admit when something has gone wrong, To channel our rage into something positive, into change, good change. And to move ahead, not with violence or hatred or hard hearts or harsh words for one another, but with courage and compassion, being kind to one another, committed to moving on with our lives in a new and different way. It's a sad, sad thing when a marriage ends. But it's, it just means that it didn't work. Or there was some abuse and it had to be walked away from. God understands, folks. Just like he understands when we sin in any other way or do any, anything else wrong. And he forgives us. And he asks us to recommit ourselves to doing better in the days ahead And so, with that, I'm going to ask the elephant to leave. Amen.